Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good Wednesday afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're in the Southern Bank Corps studios in Hattiesburg and Laura. We're glad you're with us today. Got a good show for you. Jim Case, he's the head baseball coach at Jacksonville State. He's going to be joining us later in the program. We've got three sets of weekend tickets for the Jacksonville State Series we're going to give away throughout the show. Won't you just be listening for your chance to win? We'll do that at the bottom of each segment. Also, we're going to be talking about the big news yesterday where Marshall files suit against Conference USA as the first legal battle has formed in the breakaway situation between Old Dominion, Marshall, Southern Miss, and, of course, Conference USA. So we'll get to all of that in the next hour. Dickie's Barbecue sponsors the first segment. And we always want to say thank you to them and remind you about the delicious food they serve seven days a week and the fact that they can cater any event for you, large or small. Be sure you give the good folks down at Dickie's a call the next time you have an event and you want the food to be delicious. Well, it took 13 innings last night. It was a little over four hours long. The Golden Eagles were down at 1.4 to nothing. They came back, uh, made it four to two. They fell behind five to two. They tied it five to five on a three-run home run by Christopher Sargent. And then they uh, they battled through thirteen innings. Golden Eagles had a real chance to win the game in the bottom of the twelfth with a runner at third base and only one out could not get him in. And then South Alabama scores in the top of the thirteenth uh, to win the game and collect a six to five win over Southern Miss. Five errors on the night, uh, more than uh, three or two big home runs, and five RBIs off those home runs could overcome. Luke, you and I talked a little bit last night after the game via text. You don't make five errors against a team like South Alabama and win. No, it was really the third inning that did in the Golden Eagles, and you really uncharacteristic. I was talking to somebody today, a Golden Eagle fan that that watched you know Dustin Dickerson play in high school. It was probably Dustin's. Uh, most challenging game, the worst game he's had since probably a ninth grader at West Jones. Uh, very uncharacteristic. He uh, he commits two errors, um, you know, in that third inning, and just some of the other things. I mean, it was it was such a. I think I texted you this. It was so typical with with South Alabama. You know, they they bring a a, a weekday starter um, controls you for for quite a bit. And, uh, and then you just give them runs at will. And then the opportunity in the bottom of the 12th, when, uh, when Lynch got up, Bob, I'm telling you, runners at the corners with one out. And I said it out loud. I said, please don't hit into a double play. Next pitch, <laughs> double play. And I think I told you, I looked at my wife and I said, the one thing you can't do is hit a ground ball. And then he hit the ground ball. Here's an interesting stat for you. Look, I, I did this research early this morning. I took what I think are probably the foremost uh, prominent, uh, among the foremost prominent teams that Southern Miss plays year in and year out, and I went back 10 games. I'm going to start with the defending national champion Mississippi State Bulldogs. In the last 10 games 
The Golden Eagles and the Bulldogs are 5-5. Five and five. The last 10 games against Florida Atlantic, the Golden Eagles are 6-4. and four. The last 10 games against Louisiana Tech, the Golden Eagles are 6-4. and four. The last 10 games against South Alabama, the Golden Eagles are 3-7. And, seven. and uh, they've now lost six consecutive games to South Alabama. As, we, as their coach told us yesterday on the air, he, he doesn't know he doesn't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's real. And uh, I'll tell you this: I was on the field before the game, and uh, they're big, they're athletic looking. Uh, you know, they're just good looking baseball players, and they're well coached, and uh, they've got a formidable baseball program. And right now, they have the Golden Eagles number. They do, but I mean, let let. Last night, the Golden Eagles lost the game because they beat themselves. Correct. You have, I mean, you have five errors. Correct. And we we saw this last year, you know, the, the way they started the year. Right now, the Golden Eagles, you know, have, I think it's 11. Let's see, yeah, 11 errors through four games. But, you know, half of those were, were last night. If the Golden Eagles don't do that, Golden Eagles win the game 5-2. to two. Five, you know, they don't get, right. obviously, they, uh, South right. Al doesn't get that last run. So it's probably a 5-2 to two game. I didn't think Tanner Hall pitched bad at all. I mean, no, no. the the errors came from from ground balls. Um, Sergeant wasn't able to to keep one in his glove. The throw could have been a little better, but when you look at you know specifically what what Tanner Hall did through five innings, struck out six, gave up five hits. Only four of the only two of the four runs were were uh, were earned. He only walked one. And then I tell you what, everybody else that came in pitched really well. I mean, really Chandler well. Best threw well, Tyler really Stewart well. threw well, and I tell you what, the the kid that that I uh, I liked watching at the end was was Landon Harper from Pearl River Community College. I mean, just being a dog out there. Um, so yeah, it it was uh, it was typical South Alabama. You spot them runs, but but one of the other things that's kind of eerily familiar is Golden Eagles couldn't get on the board except with long balls. You know, yeah. on on a team like last night. So obviously, you play a much better opponent than what you played over the weekend with South Alabama, um, and the Golden Eagles are just going to you know have to to get runners in because you you look at what happened in the bottom of the twelfth leadoff double Blake Johnson with a with a rope down the left field line. You get him over. Montenegro did his job, and you have runner at third with one out, and you can't get him in to win the ball game. No question. You're, Lennon Harper is a great example. You're right about that. He was pitching really, really well. And this is uh, this is not second guessing anybody. Obviously, these men know far more about it than I do. But when you got a kid that's pitching that well, and you're in an extra inning game, and it's tied up, and he's he's a dog out on the pitcher's mound. What is the logic that makes you take him off the mound, Luke? Matchup. I mean, you you get Boyd in there, who's Throwing uh, a little, you know, a little less with mm-hmm. with the speed and can mix up some off speed stuff. You would think that you went to a uh, a guy who would throw a little more off speed and probably you know get a, a ground out. And I mean the the hit that that got the uh, the the go ahead and eventually winning run in it wasn't a laser or anything, you know. So no. it was a matchup and and you know ninety percent of the time, what's you you trust the metrics, you trust what the numbers say, and that's all they were doing there. Right. Well, that makes sense. And uh, it was a great baseball game. Harper was at 31 pitches at that point, too. Yeah, it was a great baseball game. Two really good baseball teams. Very, very competitive. And uh, it's kind of the way it is every time you play South Alabama. But, again, I was on the field, and uh, the the difference, just observing them warm up and watching North Alabama (laughs) warm up 
was pretty significant. I'll That's tell you it. what, though. You you look at a guy that I'm excited about right now is a guy we, we were wondering, you know, Reese Ewings, he's just holding down a position for a year till somebody comes back up. But now he's your starting no, left fielder, batting 500 well. out the gate, had a two-run home run last night. Uh, second on the team right now with five RBIs through four games, yeah. and he has shown what he what we heard during the offseason was that he had really stepped up his his bat and improvement. And both he and Gabe um, robbed. Gabe's was a, was a home run, I believe. Ewing's was probably mm-hmm. a home run. It could have been off the wall, the one that he saved. But they made two outstanding uh, catches at the wall. I have to tell you the story about that that catch Montenegro made. His father. Uh, came over and sat with my wife and I for a while last night, and uh, he was sitting with us when Gabe made that catch. And he never moved. He never got excited. And I said, your son just made a spectacular catch. You you didn't make any noise at all. And he looked at me and he said, I'm too nervous. So he was, <laughs> he was, he was, a, and let me tell you one other thing he said. He, and I thought this was just wonderful. He said that he had made so many friends. This is Gabe Montenegro's father. That he had made so many friends in Hattiesburg and that Hattiesburg had been so kind to his son and now his second son that even after his youngest son is long gone, that he will come to every opening weekend at Pete Taylor Park, that he, he always wants Southern Miss baseball to remain a part of his life and that he lives, he lives in South America. So I just thought that that uh, said an awful lot about Mr. Montenegro and that fine family, man, that's a that's a great family. And Southern Miss is lucky to have the Montenegros here. You have an international family, and, you know, what are the chances that both of your sons end up playing together? That's what he said. He said well, hey, that's exactly what he said. What are the chances that this would have happened? He said Saturday when they were both playing was, was really one of the proudest moments of his life and his wife's life. And uh, they're they're extraordinary people, so we're we're glad they're here. Well, it's early. It's the fourth game of the season. There's a three games upcoming with Jacksonville State. We're about to talk to their head coach, and then we go on that monster road venture, uh, Luke. It doesn't get any easier, does it? No, you got next Wednesday Mississippi State, then the following weekend at Lafayette. Then you get South Alabama back at the Pete. Then you get Tulane, and then you go to Dallas Baptist again. Then you host Alabama, and then you host FAU to start the Conference USA Baseball season. (laughs) All right. We want to give away uh, tickets for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, to the Jacksonville State Series. Also got a couple of Eagle Hour t-shirts for you. You'll be the first person. New number, you call me at 601-264-8186. 264-8186 will hook you up for the Jacksonville State Weekend at the Peak. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour, broadcasting from the Southern Bank Corp Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel on the Super Talk Radio Network. Glad you're with us around the state online, wherever you're tuned in. I want to congratulate Paul Paget 
of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He was the first winner of the day. Six tickets to this weekend's Jacksonville State Series. A couple of Eagle Hour t-shirts to wear. We're going to have another uh, drawing, another call-in opportunity at the bottom of this segment. Uh, this segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net, and we thank them for their support of the Eagle Hour. We're very happy to have the head baseball coach of Jacksonville State University on the show with us right now, Jim Case. I believe he was on with us last year. And, uh, Coach, we always enjoy talking college baseball with you. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Well, I'm doing good. Uh, we're excited about having your uh, team here this weekend. And, uh, you know, I was looking at your schedule. I know you played Alabama last night. You've uh, <laughs> you've played three games against Kentucky. You played Alabama, and now you're coming to Southern Miss. So you're sort of starting out the year by jumping right into the fire. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's fair to say, you know, and and um, you know, it's probably a little bit too tough and it's it's proven to be so far uh for us, but at the same time, you know, uh those are all quality quality programs and and it's where we're trying to be. And so I think that one of the ways that you you get there is by playing those teams. No, I, I don't think that there's uh, any question about that and we hear we hear that from a lot of coaches. Well, tell us about this uh Jacksonville State team, you're going to put on the field this uh, this weekend, Coach, and uh, who we can look for and what we should expect. Well, I think it's an interesting team. It's and probably this is uh, nationwide. I would think you know you, you it's young and old. <laughs> it's uh, you know we we've got a a good group of freshmen that have joined us that are um, you know contributing and I think are going to be huge contributors. Really nice players and and you know they're joining some guys who are some of the oldest I've ever coached um you know because of the covid year right and so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting group um we're a little bit young on the mound uh we we do have some returners but we're a little bit young as far as uh you know guys who have started games for us in the past our closer is is different you know and so there's some some newness there um, but the middle of our infield is is back, and and it's been uh, it's been steady for the last few years, and should be uh, again this year. And then we've we've picked up a couple of of good players who I think can help us. Our center fielder transferred here from Alabama, and he's he's done a nice job for us. And then, as I said, uh, we have some freshmen who play uh, that we we feel like are going to be really nice players as we move along. Hey, Luke, get in here with uh, Jacksonville State Coach Jim Case. Coach Case, thanks so much for being on today. You mentioned uh, that extra COVID year. I think Coach Barry calls them COVID sophomores, COVID juniors. But, you know, first time everybody's ever dealt with this before. How has it impacted your roster management at Jacksonville State? Well, it's just – to me, it's real different. You know, when you got guys that are – I think we have one guy who might be 25 years old. And then we got guys that are 17. You know, it's the, I can't ever remember a year of having such a big difference between your youngest and oldest kids. And uh, I, I don't think it's uh, affected a, a whole lot. Uh, I think it, it has been a huge effect to high school kids uh, coming out, which I personally wish we would not have done that. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But uh, I think probably from a standpoint is is the baseball a little bit better? Probably, uh, because it's almost like, you know, having that extra year 
um, you know, we've got guys that are basically a year older unless they were drafted and left. Right. We, we've got an, uh, a guy who will be 25 too, uh, Gabe Montenegro. I, I know you're familiar with him, but yeah, it's just crazy. Eight years difference between the oldest and youngest uh, kids on your team. All right, this weekend, uh, last year, Southern Miss went up. You you stung the Eagles six to nothing in the Friday game. Eagles came back and won two or three there. You're coming back down um, this year, and uh, your guys, you know, excited to play in an atmosphere like Pete Taylor Park. And what are you looking out of your squad this weekend against Southern Miss? Yeah, I think first of all we are looking forward to that. It's a it's a great place to play. I've been there many many times, but I don't think any of our players have. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Always such a uh, a great place. Anytime when I was at UAB, it was a great place to come. And certainly uh, when I was at Mississippi State, I think we had some of the uh, largest crowds they had had at that point. Um, you know, up until that time, so. A great place to play, and I, th- I think what you'll see from from our team is a, a team is still, you know, trying to find itself a little bit. And you know, for me, I look at it and say, if we would have lost these four games in a row in the middle of the year, it wouldn't have stood out quite so much as in the beginning. And I don't think we've played great by any stretch of the imagination, and I don't think we've played horrible either. I thought um, I thought Kentucky was pretty good, and and uh, they they threw some things at us that we don't see every day in practice. You know, uh, the guy that threw against us on Saturday was outstanding. Uh, he dominated us pretty good, and um, and I thought that they had a pretty good club. You know, all the way around. Alabama yesterday, uh, we helped them a little bit, which is a a problem that we've had giving up some free bases and uh, and it was kind of a, a game that was over in the first three or four innings it was a 6-3 game but we could never get anything going because we hit into five double plays and I don't think I've ever been a part of a game where <laughs> there was five double plays on one side of the you know we get the leadoff man on we hit into a double play it seemed like it was happening inning after inning Coach, we feel your pain. We hit into a double play last night in the twelfth inning with a runner at third base that would have won the baseball game. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's uh, it's pretty painful. Coach, in the few minutes we have left, I'd like just to get your take on, on the on the uh, you know the the state of college baseball. We we that cover this, we cover baseball a lot on this show, and uh, we're huge baseball fans. But every year, I, I just find it amazing to see the. The growing popularity of the sport. What what do you attribute that to? Oh, boy, I don't know. I, I there's there's some things about it. You know, it's certainly um, there's more people uh, turning out to watch it than ever before. Um, I do think that there's some problems uh, with baseball leading up to it. In my in my opinion, um, that that kind of eliminate some people from the process very early. You know, we've we've kind of turned the high school years into a lot of travel ball. You know, that's the huge thing that's going on at that time, more so, I would say, than most high schools. Uh, the travel ball is being recruited more so. And, uh, and with that and people having to pay to play, I think we've eliminated – a lot of kids and and uh 
So I don't, I, you know, it's it's a kind of a dual edge. You know, one on one side, I think we've made some mistakes, and on the other side, I think probably even at our place, you know, we we drew fantastic last weekend, and and I think people are drawing uh, more than they ever have. So mm-hmm. I think college baseball is in good shape. I just wish that there was something that could be done to where the kids that didn't have as much money would have every bit the chance to play college baseball as the ones that did. Right. Coach, I, I don't I don't know that we've talked to a college baseball coach that likes this travel ball and the industry and the money-making industry that has surrounded travel ball. And it has damaged high school baseball in a sense. Is that fair to say? I don't think there's any doubt. I, I, I know that it has damaged high school baseball, and I think it's damaged college baseball as well. And, you know, it's it's interesting to me how many colleges now will sign a kid without ever talking to his high school coach. And I think that, believe me when I say, I think it goes on all the time. Hmm. And uh, I know that because I always call the high school coach because I want to find out what he's like day to day. And I also want to find out what he's like when he's not paying somebody to say things. You know, the the high school coach doesn't make a dime more if he tells you the truth. And, you know, uh, but there's some people that really benefit from from that. And so I don't I don't think there's any doubt that it's it's hurt a group of people and I think that there's it's helped people. I think it's helped the people who have a little bit more and that, that's to me not what baseball is about, but that's that's probably for a longer conversation yeah. one day. Well, one final thought, great point you just made that if you're in a travel organization and you can go to parents and you can say this number of our kids have signed division 1 scholarships, that helps you, right? I mean that helps Get more no people question. pay you to come put their kid on your team. There's no question, and and uh, you know, and I think that uh, when you get kids, there's a, a lot less of how to win awareness because winning is not the biggest thing. It's it's how I perform as opposed to how the team performs. Right. And so, where I think kids in the past used to be willing to do a lot more things. Uh, that I would say would help their team win. Now guys, I think, can tend to be a little more selfish about it because they're trying to put up numbers that will make themselves look really good. So right. when when they come to us, I think there's a lot of teaching in that how to win awareness that has to take place. Thank you, Coach. Great conversation as always. Look forward to having your ball club here in Hattiesburg this weekend. It'll be fun. See you then. Jim Case, everybody. Jacksonville State, head baseball coach. We'll be back. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Appreciate Jim Case, the head baseball coach for Jacksonville State, joining us. In that second segment, Golden Eagles took two out of three from the Gamecocks up in Jacksonville, Alabama last year and will take on uh, them this coming weekend, Friday at 6, Saturday at 2, Sunday at 1. And we uh, went right up to the commercial break with Coach K, so we want to give you the opportunity right now to win uh, two T-shirts and two tickets to all three games this weekend against Jacksonville State. The number to call 601 601- 
264-8186. Go ahead and call that now. Bob will be waiting for you. The uh, first caller will get two tickets for the entire series this weekend and two T-shirts, 601-264-8186. Eagle Hour continues on this Wednesday in the Southern Bancorp Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson and Bob Getty, as always, third segment brought to you by 4th Street, located right next to the University of Southern Mississippi on the other side of Highway 49, 9.95 lunch every single day, always one of the best lunches in the Hub City. Proud sponsor of Southern Miss Athletics and the Eagle Hour. So, we talked about it, and uh, to set this up, Jacksonville State is is a, a school um, that is coming into Conference USA in, in 2023, along with a few others. And uh, the reason they're coming in is because so many schools are leaving. Of course, our Golden Eagles, Marshall and Old Dominion, all leaving and uh, moving that up 365 days, leaving Conference USA on June 30th, 2022. Uh, Conference USA, uh, as the last few weeks, didn't like that too well and uh, has put out many statements, including one that said they will exhaust all legal uh, all legal options to, to basically force Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss to stay in Conference USA for this season. Even go so, uh, so much as a couple weeks ago, putting out the 2022 football schedule for uh, that, that had all three of those schools on it. Marshall responded yesterday with their own lawsuit to Conference USA. This uh, lawsuit, first reported by the Huntington Herald Dispatch, comes uh, as a response to Conference USA filing a demand for arbitration late last week. A great article on the uh, the Athletic by Chris Vanninini, a, a group of five reporter. Great guys wrote uh, some some good stuff on on Southern Miss. I actually uh, was interviewed for one of his articles, but he's got an exhaustive um, article up, kind of detailing this lawsuit. And uh, so Marshall fires the volley back, and one of the interesting things that they did was they filed locally <laughs> in West Virginia. Basically, right. the way what this uh, this lawsuit um, says is is that the current set of bylaws weren't attached to the new member agreement that Marshall signed when they came into the conference in 2003. Uh, this lawsuit also alleges that Conference USA has a selective enforcement of um, their bylaws. And uh, so the the things that Conference USA is trying to hold Marshall to right now, Marshall said, we never agreed to that. So, uh, Bob Getty, I think yeah. you're back with me now. Pretty interesting. Tell us who our winner is, and then we'll get into oh, yeah. this lawsuit. Tony Sanford from Seminary. Congratulations to you, Mr. Sanford. We appreciate you listening to the Eagle Hour. Tony Sanford from Seminary. And we've got one more set of tickets to give away a little later in the show. Here's my question about uh, what you were discussing, Luke. And this, I think this would be very interesting. Will the other two schools, being Old Dominion and Southern Miss, follow suit and file their own lawsuits, or will they just sit back and see how this plays out between Marshall and Conference USA and and see if one lawsuit is enough to make Conference USA say, "Okay, we don't want to pursue this any further. Let's reach it. Let's reach an agreement." What do you think? I mean, when when you look at the the statements that have been released from all three schools, you feel like everybody's on the same page. And so it could have been, I don't know how this works, it could have been Marshall just saying, hey, we'll do this. Um, who knows? But, you know, it, I wouldn't think they would be the person that drew the, the the shortest straw to be the guinea pig here. But when you look at the statements that are put out, there's unison and there's so much almost 
sometimes to the to the same phrasing that these three schools saying this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do, this is what we try to do, this is what we're going to do. So um, I, I feel like Marshall is the, the other two to answer your question are going to see what happens with this, but who knows? We we may see Old Dominion do this. Uh, the, one of the reasons why yesterday was so important in, in this article by Chris Venanini, Tuesday was actually the deadline for Marshall to provide available dates for an arbitration hearing with the American Arbitration Association. Hmm. So I, I'm not sure if those same dates are for Old Dominion and for Southern Miss, but that's one of the reasons why it came out yesterday. Here's a synopsis of it. So the article says uh, the lawsuit is is really citing four counts. The first count argues that Marshall has sovereign immunity as a public school, which is some things we said a couple weeks ago. The second count states that arbitration bylaw in the Conference USA bylaws did not exist when Marshall joined the league in 2003 and that Marshall never signed on to it. The third count argues that the arbitration clause only applies to current, former, suspended, or expelled members. There's nothing in the bylaws that says the arbitration clause, you get into legalese here, applies to, quote, withdrawing members, which is a category that Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and Marshall would, right. would fall under. The final count is a request for injunction relief to stall the arbitration demand, citing that Marshall will suffer, quote, actual, imminent, immediate, and irreparable harm without it. So, like what we heard, that the uh, there's actually a list in the lawsuit, There's there's some screenshots of the lawsuit uh, on Twitter, and it basically details November 1st, Marshall said, hey, Conference USA, we're leaving. Marshall, or January 12th of this year, Marshall said, we're leaving July the 1st. January 20th, Marshall again notified Conference USA it would end its membership effective 7-1-22 and requested not to be placed on any CUSA athletic schedule going forward. They did it again. Conference USA obviously ignored all those requests as they did with Southern Miss and Old Dominion. It's such a mess. It's just unbelievable. I asked a couple of the ADs last night, just kind of joking with them if they wanted to come on the show, that they're not interested. They're not interested in doing that. Understandably so. Nobody's really going to say an awful lot until this gets worked out. When, this is, when, is the, when was the Sun Belt football schedule supposed to come out, Luke? So kind of what the undercurrent's been that you would you thought you would hear something late this week and then possibly a public announcement next week, kind of the when we were talking to Patrick McGee last week, I think the date that, that we all said it was somewhere around March the 1st or March the 2nd. But here's your precedent, okay, because we always talk about precedents. Um, there's a part of this lawsuit that says, quote, CUSA has a history of selectively enforcing provisions of its bylaws. Specifically, on December 2nd, 2014, CUSA member school, Alabama, or University of Alabama, Birmingham, announced it would no longer field a football program despite a CUSA bylaw requirement that member schools sponsor a football program. UAB continued to what? Exist as a conference USA member in every other sport while they were actively breaking a bylaw. So that, that may be some precedent that these three schools can stand on and say, see, you didn't enforce something then. How can you enforce it now? Right. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, on the subject of another matter that I found very interesting, uh, the USFL, Luke, had its draft last night. And there's another there's another Southern Miss connection now to the New Orleans Breakers. As we all know, Larry Fedora is the head coach. Well, last night, Coach Fedora, and they drafted, it was different, they draft by position. So all the teams drafted a quarterback, and, and Coach Fedora drafted a young man by the name of Kyle Sloter. 
Now, for those of you that may not remember, Kyle Sloter was originally a Southern Miss trend, uh, Southern Miss signee who was signed uh, during the Ellis Johnson era as a quarterback at USM. He came here and he was redshirted his freshman year. And then when Todd Munkin came in, Todd Munkin moved Kyle Sloter to a slot receiver position. And he actually started some games at slot receiver for the Golden Eagles and I think had five or ten catches uh, during that year. But he wanted to play quarterback and uh, as a result he transferred to northern Colorado where he was a quarterback. Has since bounced around the NFL uh, being a practice squad player for the Broncos, the Cardinals, the Bears, uh, as of late the Vikings. And last night he was uh, drafted as the new quarterback of the New Orleans Breakers, coached by Larry Fedora, former uh, Southern Miss player here coached by Todd Munkin, is now the quarterback of the New Orleans Breakers. So those Southern Miss connections continue to build down in New Orleans, Luke. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He went to Northern Colorado, didn't play in 2015, but played in 2016, threw over 2,500 yards, 29 touchdowns, which at that point was a new record for any player in, in D1 at the University of Northern Colorado. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a pretty cool story how he ends up back at Southern Miss. And, Bob, you got to imagine that uh, that Monk and, and Fedora may have may have talked to a, yeah. a, a little together and, and given him the scoop on it. But, yeah, what was interesting about the USFL last night, like you said, was every team was required um, to draft uh, a round of, of a quarterback. So eight picks in the first round, everybody has to draft a quarterback. New Orleans got – Eighth, <laughs> so Fedora got um, you know got the last pick of the first round, but it's a snake draft, so he got the second pick of or the first pick of the second round. There you go. So congratulations to that young man. We hope that uh, he does well. Of course, hope that the Breakers do well as again. All right, I got one more set of weekend tickets and T-shirts to give away. Two six four eight one eight six. Paul Patchett, Tony Sanford, the first two winners. Hopefully, you're the third. Call me at six zero one two six four eight one eight six, and we'll see you at the Pete. Eagle Hour continues after this. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Final segment today brought to you by D-Bat Hattiesburg. Get your game on baseball, softball training. So much more. 4600 Hardy Street. The old Gaddy Town building. D-Bat on the left. D1 training on the right. You can become a member, schedule a lesson, or register for a camp. All at D-Bat Hattiesburg. Luke and Bob from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. A couple of uh, updates. We told you yesterday golf was trying to hang on, ladies golf trying to hang on to second place in Covington, Louisiana. They did. Lady Eagles um, finish, fire a 296 um, yesterday. And finish second behind, we shall mention, Bob, South Alabama. But Lady Eagles had a great, great uh, tournament. Four 
Of the six Lady Eagle golfers finish inside the top 21, three finish inside the top 12, two finish tied for seventh place. It's uh, the best finish of a Lady Eagle golf uh, team in the past five years in Coach uh, Lucy Nunn-Burke's best finish as head coach. So uh, should be, let's see if they can continue this uh, momentum, but the Lady Eagles finished second down in Covington yesterday. Softball announcing uh, some changes for the upcoming Hub City Challenge um, this weekend. One of the teams that was scheduled to appear uh, was is now having to draw out because of health and safety protocols. So the updated schedule, Southern Miss will take on Alcorn State Friday at 4 p.m. They will take on Evansville at 2 p.m. on Saturday, Alcorn again at 5 p.m. on Saturday, and then take on Evansville noon Sunday. All right, Bob, last night, a bunch of money being given. You were on the field with uh, Melissa Socher and, and Coach Barry. Uh, pretty cool. It was a great crowd last night, but to see something that we've been you know, working on for the past several months and to see it come to fruition and the final number, how just ginormous number that was, and, and what was it like on the field last night? Well, it was wonderful, and uh, you know, you couldn't you couldn't help but think about uh, Coach Palmer throughout the uh, throughout the evening. Had a chance to talk at length to his brother Ted Palmer, and uh, you know, Coach is uh, is mentally alert and uh, continues to fight. It's, it seems like it, this seems hard to believe. It was a year and a half ago. Uh, that coach suffered the stroke, and uh, he's been receiving medical care since, and uh, continues to need that medical care. So that you know, we raised thirty-one thousand and five hundred dollars through this raffle that was created by Melissa Socher, and uh, we awarded the check last night uh, through the athletic through the school foundation to uh, Coach Palmer's uh, brother Ted, and of course that money will be used to uh, help meet the medical expenses and. And whatever thirty one thousand five hundred dollars can help uh, help them do, but you know the thanks has to go to the people who bought the raffle tickets because there were like eight winners, but obviously hundreds and hundreds of people bought raffle tickets both online. They had a huge sale uh, of raffle tickets uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday during the North Alabama series, and then throughout the past three months, people have gone online, people have gone to Mississippi, made it more. People have gone to the baseball office, various places, and bought those raffle tickets. And so the end result, $31,500 uh, for Coach Palmer. And uh, it was it was great uh, great to be a part of that. Uh, uh, you asked what it's like. Well, you know, the athletic department was very kind and, uh, and, and seemed very grateful for what had happened. Coach Barry, the class act that Coach Barry always is. And uh, he was a big part of this. So. Uh, no one should lose sight of that. Coach Barry was right with us, shoulder to shoulder with this uh, for the last several months. So uh, we were we were glad to do that, and uh, it, it was good. Hopefully, hopefully it'll help, and hopefully we'll see uh, we'll see Coach back in the peat before too long. It would be great to see him there. Hopefully so. Final note today. Um, we haven't really talked much about because it's happening early. I saw Coach Will Hall Friday night at the, yeah. uh, the baseball game out on the roost, and they were getting ready to strap it on. They they practiced uh, Saturday morning, and uh, they practiced uh, earlier this week. They actually practiced today two hours and 20 minutes in shoulder pads and shorts. Uh, one thing that uh, he said today was that Ty Keys was really sharp early on. So um, Ty Keys, of course, with Trey Lowe and uh, Zach Wilkie is, is competing for that quarterback job. You know, someone in the roost asked Coach uh, Coach Hall, um, you know, kind of the, the thoughts behind morning practices, and he likes guys getting up. And, and I think uh, you know, there's, there's truth to be said when uh, – I know back in the day guys would miss – 
and skip an 8 o'clock class, but there ain't no way they're going to skip one of Jeff Bauer's 7 o'clock uh, team meetings or 7 o'clock <laughs> practices. So I think that's probably what Coach Hall is is thinking as well. And, yeah, there is something to say about that. You know, there's more there's more rest time um, when you look at, you know, the way a day's laid out. And, and once you're done, you know, for the day you're done. So, right. uh, anyway, they got after it this morning, and they will continue to practice. The next practice will be Friday. I saw him Friday night. He was making the rounds. I mean, he was at the Pete shaking hands and talking to people. He's an outgoing uh, guy, and, uh, and and you just know that he's going to do very, very well. I did ask him. I straight up asked him. I said, all right, Coach, be honest. Who are you for? Because they're playing North Alabama. He said, Southern Miss, baby. Southern Miss all the way. <laughs> okay, the guys will be at Ramey Motors and Purvis tomorrow. We always look forward to that. Great friends of ours down there and always got great deals. I want to thank Paul uh, Paget, Tony Sanford, and Chris Longmus, who was our last winner. Thanks to all three of those guys for listening to the Eagle Hour. We're going to give away tickets uh, to home series every Wednesday before every home series the rest of the year. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, Luke and I and Kelly will rejoin us tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I wanna fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.